the starting lineup for your Gangsters, what's up guys? Are you a slacker? Envy. I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet. Hello and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I am here with my co-hosts and two men who need a very long holiday, Evan Fagundis. Hello. And JT Chipman. What's going on? And this week, we are here to break down one of the greatest trilogies of all time, question mark, exclamation point. That's right, we are talking about Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films. But before we dive in, gentlemen, how the hell are we doing? Hey, I'm doing really good. Daylight savings time came around. Um, I'm getting off work and it's like pitch black outside. It's it's kind of fantastic. It's great. Uh, we, we always connect back with how we're doing to the movie time, but it's great for curling up with a blanket and throwing on some movies. And you, it's six o'clock and I'm ready to crank out two of them, maybe even three of them if I'm feeling it. What about you, Evan? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, I'm honestly just kind of gearing up for the holidays a little bit. I'm excited to have a little bit of time off um, and be able to celebrate, but definitely just uh, having a good time being able to see some new movies as well, of course, as we watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> as we watch 20-year-old movies. <laughs> Lovely. A uh, little bit of backstory on this episode before we hop in. Um, I'm doing great, by the way. Uh, good. Good. Uh, this was a, a show that I had earmarked before I left on paternity leave because Rachel and mine's, I think, labor routine or like tradition, I guess, while she's going through labor. It's a long process. Uh, so to keep both of us up and engaged, we watch all three extended editions uh, of Lord of the Rings, which is an absolute marathon. But then again, so is labor. Um, so, <laughs> so. I knew that was going to happen, and I, I threw out the idea of, of maybe doing an episode. It's not, maybe not quite the format that I wanted. I may have spoken about you know a 12-hour <laughs> watch along. I may have been talking about that for uh, you know for the entirety of this podcast. But you know what? I'm just happy that we're finally getting an avenue to talk about uh, Lord of the Rings. We did it once before with the Two Towers um, versus Empire Strikes Back. I, I think that may have been our first versus actually. I think, I think yes. it was the first versus, um, but. These movies are so wonderful and they mean so much to me that I'm happy that they have we have an avenue now to uh, discuss them. It'll I have to further. ask you watch them during labor. Did you then rewatch them in the past week when we decided for this topic? Uh, indeed. So I watched the extended editions during labor. But when talking about these movies and I always recommend people that haven't seen them uh, theatricals first because the, the extendeds are bare. They are are a total bear. And I mean, the, the theatricals are bare. It's a lot of film you know it's over 12 hours in the extendeds and what nine and a half almost 10 in the theatricals so do yourself a favor just dip a toe in if that's what we can call 10 and a half hours of movie is um but yeah i'm really excited to talk about these these movies like i said mean a lot to me always have uh i'm less familiar with your guys's relationship these are these are definitely childhood favorites for me, right? Growing up, you know, uh, read, reading. I think I read The Hobbit first. I think I eventually did have to read the Lord of the Rings books before I was allowed to watch the movies. You know, one of those uh, a bit of a strange uh, home rules growing up. But like, I mean, these were 
more than yearly. These were maybe even three times a year, maybe even a quarterly tradition to uh, crank at least one of them out, you know, and sometimes you, you'd even want to like call out of school so you can watch all three of them in one day and like order a pizza, right? Like it was very important, especially like, you know, the, these are action movies. They're full of, they're full of violence. They're full of, of fantasy and, and big epic proportions, but they're not necessarily you can still watch them as a family. You can still watch them as like as a kid and not be like totally scarred by them. And really, it can be kind of a gateway to like understanding blockbuster movie making as as a young one and understanding like how adults are also perceiving these movies. Yeah. Wow. Um, I probably have the least uh, or, or at least the shortest relationship with these movies just because I don't know. I wasn't introduced to it. At a super young age, I think until we did the episode last year, that versus that you guys are talking about, I never really sat down and watched all three all the way through in any short, short enough amount of time period to like really follow the story in in each sitting. I, I definitely would watch them kind of in fragments, um, but I love them since then. This is now the third time that I've seen seen them through since then. I will say I've not seen the extended version. Um, and I'm really, I ever, and I'm really excited to, uh, to honestly hear you guys talk about these movies a lot because I, I love them, but I definitely don't have like the lifelong connection. I don't think that, uh, I know you guys do. Okay. So I don't want to, I don't want to stir any feathers here, but that's not even the right metaphor. I'm, I'm, I'm so shaken because of what I have to admit here, but I've never actually seen the extended editions myself. I, I've seen clips, like I've definitely been on YouTube and like, See, you know, like the hand of Sauron scene um, at the Black Gate, Jed. Oh, I know it well. Yes, I'm, <laughs> because you've seen editions. the extended editions. Um, <laughs> that, I know that scene. I know probably a couple of others, but I've never actually sat my ass down and watched the extended ones all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. It's a, it is a trek, and and after being firmly in the, the extended editions are the only editions, right? Because I do, I truly don't believe they detract from the story, right? You know, it's not like they're uh those types where it's just like shoving deleted scenes in and you're like oh, i can get why this was cut like there are some really quality and like wider lore that is uh like put forth in those uh added scenes but i, I think at the end of the day like the theatricals are just so good and it's already a big ask right each movie is three hours minimum yeah. uh returns you know bordering on four theatrical so just like i'm i'm back in on like all right, theatricals are fine. So I don't blame you. Um, I think if you've seen these enough, it would be an interesting wrinkle. Um, I think if I had to pick one that the extended edition was the was the best, um, it's definitely between Return and Fellowship. Like those have, okay. because I think inherently, right, it's the start of the story and the end of the story. Those have the most added context. Mm-hmm. Um, but Two Towers just does have a lot of like fun stuff. There's a, a scene between Mary and Pippin. Um, and if you've read the books, Chip, you kind of know what I'm talking about. There's a scene in Fangorn Forest where Pippin drinks the water and he grows. Um, oh, and he, yeah. He, he keeps growing taller and taller uh, because he's drinking this like water out of this certain fountain that Treebeard told him not to drink. And then he ends up becoming the tallest hobbit of all time because he drank that water in... in uh, and how tall is he actually once he drinks it? Like, is he the, when he's the tallest hobbit of all time? Is he like a cool five six? Uh, no, I don't even. I mean, I think like five two. Like wow. hobbits are like, you know, un, like I think tall hobbits are like four ten. 
They you really know? are. They really uh, are small. Um, but, Jed, do you only watch the extended versions now? No, 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 no. That, that's what I was just saying. Like, I used to be only extended guy, but oh, oh, oh. now I'm back on, like, theatricals. But extended yeah. every once in a while. So I probably watched – so I've watched it this time all the way – this year all the way through. I've watched the Peter Jacksons four times, and I've watched even The Hobbits uh, three times. I normally, wow. like, I'll finish them, and I'll just be like, you know what? I'll watch The Hobbits. They're not my favorite, but I'll do it. Um, but the reason I am so committed to that – you guys were talking about your backstories – is because I was lucky enough um, to have some really good family friends who were about seven years older than me. Like the the kids were seven years older than me and seven and seven and ten years older than me. And they, when I was growing up, had read all the books. And so when the movies came out, they were very much anticipating um, these movies. Like I'm talking when I was a kid, you know, uh, Thomas used to who is this kid's name used to read me before I could like read a book used to like sit and read chapters of the books aloud to me uh, like that's how invested he was in it and so I got to go see fellowship in theaters as like a seven six-year-old seven-year-old like incredible I remember seeing all three of them in the theaters I remember sitting um like first week it opened in two towers. We got there late. This was before, you know, the arc light style theater with the assigned seats. And I was in the very front row, neck completely craned up and Gollum just screaming at the top of his lungs in the beginning of it. You know, it was like, I think it was what the loudest movie ever at the time, mm-hmm. just based on pure decibels alone. And I was like right in the front row. Um, and then I actually saw return on opening night of the new downtown Stockton theater, Evan. Whoa. It was like a grand opening and like my parents got invited and one of the showings was return of the King. And I remember my mom didn't go and my dad brought me and I had to wear like a suit jacket as like a little kid. And they were serving (laughs) food, you know, they were serving like chicken tenders and like, and like food. And I got to like be in basically, I was like one of like three kids in the entire theater. Um, the whole night. And I, like, I remember those, those moments super specifically. And like for Christmas, I would get the extended editions with all of the, uh, behind the scenes. Like I've seen all the behind the scenes for these movies. When I say these movies probably mean more to me than any other movies. Like that's not a joke. Like I have spent hours and hours and hours, arguably more than I should of my life watching these movies, thinking about these movies, you know, playing with the action figures, having the plastic toy swords, I was Legolas for Halloween one year, and then the next year I didn't want to wear the wig, so I was Aragorn. Like I like <laughs> the, this was such a tentpole um, story in my life, and I think this is rare of things that you appreciate as a kid. But the older I get, the more I appreciate them for very different reasons, and we'll get to that later when we talk about what our current ranking is, right, and where which ones we like the best. But for me, as I get older, I think. I understand the stories about something entirely different than it was. And I think that is what makes it so everlasting is that you can continue to visit these stories uh, and get something new every time. Uh, it's so cool that it's stuck with you for so long too, because we talk a lot about like recent favorites for us. Like, I don't know, like the, like even for you, Jed, like the oceans movies or a movie like grand Budapest or skyfall, like those came to you a little bit later in life, same way, like a movie like no country or, like a David Lynch movie came to me a little bit later in life, but Lord of the Rings stretches back so far for you when to when you were six or seven and like has only gotten stronger. 
Yeah, it, that was awesome to hear. It's so satisfying to have something that you loved as a kid hold up so much as an adult and mean just as much to like you and other people. Um, there's something that that is like like you like you just said, Chip. It's very uncommon for that to be able to be the case and to not almost feel just like pure nostalgia when you go back to it, but actually still just enjoy the the movie itself, the experience itself. So that's really cool. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to hear it. I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be um, informed by both of you. <laughs> so, I think part of the way I want to do this, we're not going to go and dissect, you know, each movie scene by scene. But I think somewhat chronologically, I would love to talk about moments or or um, you know characters, right? That that really stick out to us. So maybe let's just start. With fellowship, we'll start with the intro and the hobbits. All right. Recently, I've been made aware of some discourse surrounding people that like these movies but dislike the hobbits. Mm-hmm. Mm. Chip, is that something you're in on, or are you are you a hobbit guy? Um. Okay. So I think I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm in on the hobbits. I don't know if I'm quite in on the Harfoots, and that is an entirely different conversation. Okay. Um, surrounding a separate uh, piece of media that has come out in this past year. Um, but The Hobbits, the story of The Hobbits and Lord of the Rings, yeah, I'm, I'm super all in on that. I love our core four. I love Sam Frodo, Mary Pippin. I love the how, how instantly we get to know their personalities from meeting them. You know, I think of Mary and Pippin in the fireworks uh, and, and, and what the, the mischief that they're getting into and the way that Sam is looking longingly at Rosie. And, you know, Frodo's the one who gives him the push, right? You know, like, okay, these two, like, I already sense the connection they have and i can already i i you know looking back at it now i know the journey that they're going to go on but i watched that scene i'm like okay that's why they're able to go on that journey that's why they have this solid foundation to where they can support each other to make it all the way to mordor down to something as silly as uh, initiating a dance right hobbit traditions are fun hobbit homes are really fun um, there's just great, great decor, great food choices that they have. Uh, would, would love to spend some time in the Hobbit culture. Speaking of which, I saw there is this like kind of a Renaissance Fair style company that does like traveling Hobbit weekends. So they like put up basically they ran out like a big field and they put up like a set of like Bilbo's party. Everyone comes dressed as Hobbits. You know, you get you eat, drink some ale um and some wine there's you know some tents and i was like that seems like something i could i could get down for just dress up like a hobbit and have a great weekend absolutely can i can i get my hobbit take yeah i want to hear it yeah i'm in on the hobbits I, i think they're all they all do a good job so i'm totally in on the hobbits and and i think they're a great part of the movie i think they're necessary um like elijah wood is obviously is obviously very good um if somebody said it's the part of the movie where they're missing the other characters the most or like where you're missing something the most, I could understand that. Like after the opening um, of Fellowship, that's that's almost the, the, the peak of the Hobbits themselves just because it's like an awesome 25 minutes with them. Um, I do understand like in Two Towers, if you're just kind of like, I want to get back to Rohan and the horses. Yeah. Like the fifth time that you've seen it. But – definitely not out on the hobbits does that make yeah. sense yeah like i think i think it's you touched on something it's really important that we spend time in hobbiton early right and i think something that's struck me 
the more I've watched it and the older I've gotten is it's easy early on to view the hobbits as like almost as like children, you know, as like this kind of race of naive childlike creatures. Right. And they're, they are child sized, but when you go back and you look at like the interactions between like Aragorn and, and uh, Frodo or Boromir and Frodo, and you kind of realize that Frodo, at least in the books, right. Is like 70 years old when he's on this quest. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's like, he's an adult man, right. He's lived some life. So when he's, you know, having these moments, um, it's not like a child. And I think when I was younger, I used to view it that way. And, and that's where I could maybe more understand of like, all right, get me away from these kids. Like, let's get back to the adults. Right. Like let's, let's get back to the big, big battle sequences and things, uh, of that nature. And now I'm just so much more like, yeah, I just want to spend as much time with the hobbits as <laughs> I can. Like, I want to dissect the relationships because to me, it feels like they have the most to lose and the most to protect and they also at the same time have the least obligation to be there and so when your heroes who have the most to lose and the least you know obligation right like it would be very easy for them in rivendell to have turned like gone home it would have been very easy for them to be like you guys deal with this like it's on your borders you know they've never then they'd never really seen an orc in their entire life right you know they've never they've never encountered any of uh sauron's creatures so i I, that really resonates with me of like how much they risk um, and the lengths they go to. And then also the fact that they're completely overlooked, right? Like, like Gandalf says in the beginning, right? The world is scarcely aware of the existence of hobbits, mm -hmm. right? They're it's, not, it's, well, they're not well known. It's crazy to me. Something that leaped out this time and I'm jumping ahead to return, but like when they, when the four hobbits come back and they walk past, uh, it's it's not Sam's old gaffer. I don't know the name of that hobbit who's always out sweeping his front porch, and he's a, a little bit curmudgeon-y, right? And he's the, the four hobbits... Proud, the proud foot, proud feet. Yes, yes, proud feet. <laughs> um, and, you know, they've, they, they've glowed up a little bit. They're all in, like, fine elvish cloaks coming back home. Hobbiton has no idea, really, what happened. Hobbiton doesn't know what these these four heroes did they don't know about the journey they set off on they don't know about the danger i mean they they may have you know there's lots of talk about like oh there's danger on the horizon right they didn't know exactly what was going on and they never really felt it in the shire they never really felt it in hobbiton because these four little guys went out and did the damn thing yeah 100 percent. i love that but i think the, the story does really kick off when when they leave the Shire, of course, and I want to I want to kind of talk about the journey to Rivendell, like the whole in it Bree sequence. But before that, I realized I kind of got ahead of myself. The greatest opening of a movie or a series of all time, right? Mm. The Kate Blanchett voiceover, you know, the big exposition drop. Evan, as someone you've never read the books, right? You know this somebody that came to it a little later is is that as effective for you as it is for somebody that had maybe had more context i mean <laughs> just legendary exposition in all three of these movies like literal like legendary work that they they don't they don't have any qualms about just saying we are opening this series with the 10 pages of the book that you need to know to understand what's about to happen here it is. And and here's but like they were obviously all it. of them deceived. <laughs> it, or another ring was made. I mean that is it's just an abandoned column. 
Yeah, it's so good. Oh, um, it, it's great. No, they they execute it perfectly, and it's the genre for exposition, right? Like fantasy exposition is actually awesome because it is a completely new world. It's not anything that you have imagined before. Um, so it, it's funny that you guys love it so much, considering you already know the lore behind it. But for me, coming into it cold the first time, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. so helpful. It's so good, and I think it just – it's such a cool way to, like, set you up for, like, fuck yeah, action, like, orcs versus men versus elves versus this dark lord. And then, quick break, we're just going to spend 25 minutes with a bunch of peaceful hobbits who have no fucking clue. Like, all this is has been happening, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is epic. And, and um, God, it's so hard for me, honestly, to direct. I almost wish I would have handed the reins of, like, direction off to somebody else because I want to talk about <laughs> – all of Tolkien in general. Like I could do, I could do twelve hours on on uh, just this this story, but I want to jump ahead to Rivendell because I think in earnest, right? This is where we get the beginnings. Like this is where the fellowship, you know, comes in, right? This is where we start to understand who our key players are going to be. Um, Hugo Weaving as Elrond, mm-hmm. unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's your other favorite member of the Fellowship? We said we like the Hobbits, right? Who's who's your guy? Dude, big Aragorn hive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How, are you, how are you not? It's the, the guys. Come on. Sick. I mean, the, Viggo Mortensen, right? I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic performance from the very first shot with with the hood and the pipe, right? He's bringing that dark energy. He's bringing that shadowy, you know, this this is a, this is an actor who's kind of uh, not afraid to work with some like dark directors and take on these dark roles. Um, but he's also like the guy who will step up and like he's assuming responsibility. And he's a guy that you you trust, but you're also a little bit scared of at all times. Do you know and that, the, that's such a fantastic character. You know what the best part about that is, is that he was not originally cast. That's wild. Who was who was originally cast? So, it would, uh, I got I got to go back and remember his is this British guy much younger, um, but essentially what had happened is so they do they did like two full years of pre production to get prepared because they filmed all three of these movies at once which by the way is a fucking wild concept to think about we could do an entirely separate podcast on how this movie got made and the fact that they gave a guy that basically had made like cheap horror movies hundreds of millions of dollars and said go to New Zealand for a year and film all three movies at one time. Made, like amazing uh, commitment by New Line, but Air, Aragorn was they got basically two weeks into filming, and they all had like a huddle. Peter Jackson, the producers, and they're like, "This is not fucking working." Like, fuck. Like <laughs> they were they were basically like, "Fuck, we're fucked." Like this yeah. is not this is not going to work. This isn't going to happen. So they fire him and uh, fire this other guy, and they kind of put a call out. And as they're doing that, they like just film a bunch of the Hobbiton stuff. Right? They film as much as they can without Aragorn. Uh, and then Vigo gets cast and they basically said from the minute he showed up on set, it was like they that was when they knew that the movies were going to work, that he was he had that right energy, right? The darkness, but also like the sweetness with the hobbits and the intensity that he needs, because in many ways, right, we have three main characters in my mind, right? It's Frodo, it's Aragorn and it's Gandalf, right, are the three. Um, and I, we're going to do, we got to get to Gandalf soon because I got to, I got to do the whole thing about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just amazing. Like you said, it's such a cool performance. Um, and 
it's one of those performances that you just can't like you can't imagine anybody else doing it right there are uh, maybe other people you can imagine in in the other roles but there's no i don't feel like there's anybody that really could have done what what vigo did yeah yeah two quick hits on it you need someone who i will plausibly believe that Liv tyler will like fall over herself for right because she is just her, her whole life her literal soul like rests upon his comings and goings essentially and he has that passion and that sensuality right um in those scenes to be both mysterious and also very very seductive and strong enough to like push off um um sorry he's with arwen he needs to push off aowen is is what i should be saying um uh but uh he he, he's he can resist aowen but in those scenes with arwen it's just it's so cinematic and it's like these long gazes that in the hands of other actors i think don't work or like are uncomfortable and you want to look away from but i'm very compelled by the chemistry that he brings with Liv tyler also just a great wet hair guy there's been a lot of good journalism about wet hair guys with the phillies Mm-hmm. but uh he, he's a good wet hair guy for sure yeah definitely um yeah. all right i think just because this is gonna go too long if i don't skip to this what's your favorite moment in fellowship oh my god is Great it just question. when frodo hops on gandalf's wagon <laughs> Serious, I mean, that's that's seriously that is just that's pure that is so there's so much pleasure to be found in those first 25 minutes, and I'm so happy. I just have the biggest smile on my face watching these two guys, you know, catch up because they're the height differences are there, differences are, are there, the life experiences are so different, but they're just on this seat together, like like just happy and overjoyed to like be be sharing a pipe together. I think it's awesome. Yeah. That's a great choice. I, I'm trying to think, like, what do I love returning to the most? Um, I'm so, like, like probably the battle and then the chase in the mines is probably just my favorite sequence. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, out of the stuff that I've seen this year or any year that I've watched it, that would be one of the five or ten best sequences that I've seen that year. Probably it's they're really awesome and obviously then you get like the huge emotional moment with uh with Gandalf but I didn't even include that in there because I do think of these as a whole and now that I know he's coming back I I like I don't have to just like absolutely wallow in it the same way other character deaths might uh have me yeah um we don't often shout out like entire other podcasts by name but one of the favorite my favorite things that I've listened to recently was a podcast that uh, Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin did on the House of R feed uh, on The Ringer right before Rings of Power came out with Brian Cogman, who was a producer from Game of Thrones and a consulting producer on Rings of Power, where they talked about their like five favorite Tolkien things. And they also read out this quote, but this has been long been my favorite uh, moment. And it's also in the mines, but it's after they get you know trapped in by the Watcher in the water and they don't know where to go. And it's when they first... Frodo first realizes that Gollum is following them. Him and Gandalf have the exchange um, about, you know, Bilbo should have killed, uh, should have killed him. But then right after that, Frodo pauses and says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish that none of this had happened. And Gandalf responds to him and says, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. 
Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you were also meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. And then he goes, oh, it's that way, because he says he remembers uh, based on mm-hmm. this. And for me, that just kind of like, I don't know. I think it's so it's so beautiful. It's such like there's so much packed into that. That one quote, uh, Sir Ian McKellen's delivery of that. I think he should. You know, he should have won the Oscar based on on that like delivery alone. Um, but it's such a what this this story does to me so well is there's these moments of levity. There's that one. There's one in, at the end of Two Towers where Sam is talking about, you know, the stories that they loved and how you have to keep pushing on. Right. If if the heroes in those stories that they had always heard had stopped, that they, they wouldn't be the stories that they had always heard. Um, they bring these moments of light in the darkest of darkness and that's always like what's resonated with me and like i I get moved to tears so many times throughout (laughs) throughout this and that didn't happen when i was younger right and that's i think the evolution of like getting as you get older um you know when i was younger i was like yeah action battle this is badass this is awesome um and then as i get older it's these quiet moments these little moments um very similar like the moment between aragorn and boromir at the end while boromir's dying um end of fellowship that just really stick with me, uh, that give me pause, that cause me to think. Um, and I, th- I think that like the more and more I've watched it, that's my favorite moment because it's right before we're about to lose Gandalf, right? That's their last real conversation that they get to have one-on-one. And we so clearly understand from the moment, Chip, that he jumps on that wagon, that these are people that care about each other very deeply. Um, and so, yeah, that's the one that really sticks out for me. Yeah, these these fantasy stories, they reach for the moon with some of these like conversations and these, you know, uh, like they not not necessarily like morals that they want to expound on, but like really big life lessons. And like there's something more and they a lot of fantasy stories. It's cheesy. Lord of the Rings. I I don't really feel that cheese almost at all. I, I actually believe I feel very sincerely moved, like you're saying, Jed. By what these characters are saying, by the emotions they're feeling. I think so much of that comes down to the actors that they cast. They got the best of the best. They didn't they didn't skimp on who they needed to deliver these lines. They bring in Ian McKellen in order to convey uh, high emotions in, you know, ridiculous fantasy scenarios. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to talk about um, with Fellowship? Before we, we just touch quickly on towers and kind of some of our um, Sean Bean, like yeah, may, it, like maybe we can talk about the best. I mean, how many really good performances were there in only one of the three movies? But he he has to be the best with the least, almost in a way, just because he's so connected for me to the whole series. But he's only in yeah. really like a you know a third or two thirds of one of the movies. Yeah, I know. They do a good job. He does have a lot to chew on, though. In that he movie. does. But I he think does. the way they introduce Faramir uh, brings a lot of life back to Boromir, like, throughout the series. And if you want to watch the extended editions, you get, you actually get Sean in Two Towers as well. Mm. You, get, you get flashback sequences with okay. Faramir, um, which is, is cool. And you get introduced uh, to Denethor, their dad, earlier as well um, in that whole dynamic of their family but yeah incredible stuff i mean when he dies uh and him and aragorn in one scene you know completely uh derail the traditional idea of masculinity uh with their emotional and close relationship it, yeah i mean 
What's better than that? These movies are full of homoeroticism, dude. <laughs> like, so many characters should be kissing at various points. Yes. But I don't even think it's that. Like, I, I don't view it. It's not like a, you know, Skyfall homoeroticism, right? I think it just shows, <laughs> it just shows it's okay to have, you know, an emotionally charged relationship with a, another man that's not sexual. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I don't ever view it as like a, they should be kissing, right? But it's like tender, you know, it's, it is tender. It's like, the I love. think that's what they're showing you for sure. Like, right. But I think the characters could kiss. If, if anything, it's more yeah. it's more romantic than sexual, almost. If that makes sense. Yes, exactly. Like I'm not saying like I'm not saying this is all good. Like that's the amount of like chemistry that these characters all have with each other too, and these actors all have. Like they legitimately feel like they're people that are very very close to each other. Mm -hmm. Like they are really looking deep into each other's eyes and like into some real shit. And it's kind of what takes away that that corny factor that you're talking about chip like you believe these relationships yeah and it, there's by the way there's so much like so many small things that happen that nod back to all those relationships too i mean i think there's things that are more obvious but one of my favorites is at the end of fellowship you get like a half a second shot of aragorn putting on uh boromir's braces yeah. right like the forearm mm -hmm. braces that have the tr white tree of gondor on them and then when he falls off the cliff in two towers and he reaches up to like, grab the rope on the horse, you see those same braces. Mm. And what was the last thing we saw? Boromir was floating down a river, right? Yeah. And then he's sitting by a river and the first thing we see, or floating down the river himself. And then the first thing we see is those, it's those little moments, like those nods to those relationships um, that are so lovely. Uh, all right. Towers, uh, Man, is the best moment in Towers when Legolas uh, jumps on the moving horse? This is or, like that's the Legolas movie for me is Towers is like the Legolas coming out party. I mean, the skateboard, too. Yeah, the skateboard. Yeah, yes, yeah, the so skateboard sick. is unbelievable. Yeah, it's so sick. I just think like that's the biggest battle. Like battle movie, right? We're building up to. Mm -hmm. But are you guys Rohan? It, Rohan dude, it kind of is, but at the same time, like, well, we'll get to it. But Return, like, Double, has uh, it a doubles lot down. of battle. It doubles down. It's like an hour and a half. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, funny, but I definitely think of this one as the big battle movie, which is funny because I always forget how long it takes to really get there. Like, there is a lot of, like, stuff cruising around Rohan, like, kind of politics. Like, it, it's a lot of Smeagol, like... Mm -hmm. I was just telling Diana that, like, I want to be a writer of Rohan. Like, I don't know where I yeah. apply, but, like, right. I would love that to be on my LinkedIn. Like, yeah. two years experience as writer of Rohan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great sequence. Um, I think just the opening of uh, of Towers, too. Like, not, not like, I really do like the the whole opening, like, with Gandalf fighting the Balrog and stuff. Oh. And Frodo waking up and then, <sighs> you know, and then being, and then them kind of confronting Gollum. But I really love when we catch up with... Uh, you know, with Legolas and Aragorn and Gimli, and they've been running, right, the whole time. And it's almost mm -hmm. like, it's almost like uh, in Game of Thrones, right, uh, when, uh, what's his face, uh, Robert's bastard. Uh, uh, Renly? No, Renly's his brother. But uh, you know who I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. The, the one that Arya bangs. You know, he's, yes. he's, he's like uh, a uh, Gendry. 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 Yes. 
yeah, when Gendry, he's just rowing, right? And you almost are like, has he been rowing for two seasons before we yes. see him again? You know, yep. it, that, that's exactly. kind of how, how you view it when they're running. It's like, how long have they been, been running, right? The landscape has changed. Yeah. And, you get some and it also coffee. brings you right back immediately, right? right? Like, it's such a cool effect. But it's like it's also in something we didn't talk about. There's a lot of comedy in these movies too, right? They get that yes. they get that right, and you know we get immediate, you know, Gimli. I'm wasted on cross country, yeah. <laughs> natural sprinters. <laughs> exactly, like almost immediately following the super super intense like operatic opening that you're talking about, um, where yeah, I mean. Gandalf and the Balrog f- falling into the water and stuff like that's some of the most like the craziest visuals that they have in the entire series. And then kind of immediately back into like the farcical type uh, jokes. It's really funny the way they transition like that. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love uh, I really love the moment when Gandalf like shows himself to Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli uh, mm-hmm. and the way they dub his voice. Like, I mean, they clearly had a, uh, uh, Christopher Lee, you know, read that line as well, and then they right. fade into Gandalf's voice. But yeah, it's just so it's so cool, and and then you kind of get that huge moment, uh, which again, like when I first watched it, didn't mean as much to me as it does now, where Gandalf basically releases Theoden from Sauron's power, and that kind of being like Gandalf's yeah. arrival really yeah. is like this is how powerful I am now. Um, yeah. Mithraeus. Pim, Ra- Rachel, when we were watching it, uh, we watched uh, Two Towers two nights ago. She goes, Gandalf dies, and he basically goes full pimp my wizard. She said that when he <laughs> uh, when he gets Shadowfax, when he whistles and calls Shadowfax to him, uh, that's what she said. Which show them the meaning of haste, Shadowfax. I I just love the way he says like, oh Gandalf, yeah, that's right, that's what they called me. Well, now I'm Gandalf the White. He is like, yeah, I'll take that name back, but upgrade yeah. the fucking fit. It. I don't even I there's so much I wish I would tell you Evan but it's because basically like <laughs> Gandalf is a Maiar which is basically uh-huh. like a godlike being Sauron is also a Maiar the Balrogs are also Maiar they're just like fallen Maiar all the yeah. wizards the Astari there's five of them there's Gandalf there's Saruman there's Radagast and then there's the two blue wizards whose names we do not know um but so they're they're all Maiar so basically when he dies the gods, he's already like godlike, right? He got sent as like an old man. He wasn't like somebody that grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets sent back as a white wizard, which is the same power level essentially. Like they basically upgrade him after he dies. He respawns. Who's um, the they? XP the, the, Val, the Valar. So like basically the gods oh, of the right. universe. Gotcha. Give, that's why he says like I've been sent back until my task is done, right? Yeah. His task is to be the opposing force of good in the world to like Saruman and Sauron. So mm-hmm. they basically gave him more power and sent him back to Middle Earth and said, you're done. But he's known as like a bunch of different names. Gandalf is the name that he's known by for humans. Um, for elves, he's known as... Um, is it Mithrandir? Yeah, Mithrandir, which means the Grey Pilgrim. Um, so there's like a bunch of different names that he, he's got based on like the different cultures and stuff. So that's why mm-hmm. when he comes back and he's like, Gandalf, right? That's what they used to call me. It's cool, like harking back to be like, that's not necessarily like, what I all who I'm always am, but that's who you know me as. Ah, you know, right, like right. I'm a, I'm a being beyond just one name. Yeah, um, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, okay. That was a quick, quick Gandalf history. Yeah. No. Good. Good stuff there. Uh, I'm sure some people are gonna be like, fucking biting their knuckle listening to me right now. Just like can't <laughs> believe it. I'm glad you're on this pod, Jed, or else you would probably. Well, like, and I'm sure there are people that are gonna be like, 
you know, listening to me and being like, we like, let's go. We don't need to hear the history. <laughs> um, let's Can we, I, there's a couple more actors I want to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What a smoke show, first of all. Yep. But Katie just Perry, like Katy Perry. Yeah. Um, very, he has the most, he maybe has the dumbest lines in all these movies, right? With some like Elvish stuff that he has to say, he has to like be very, he's, he's almost a very holy and like high and mighty character with the way that he needs to, I think it's probably more so in fellowship, but it's still so good. And I'm still hanging on to every word he's saying, even though just reading it, you know, on a piece of paper, I would roll my eyes at. Dude. In two towers, I could still read you the line in Elvish. I don't obviously don't speak Elvish, but when he goes Dagathagathaya right before Aragon goes, and I will die as one of them. Like it's mm-hmm. just like burned into my brain. Like yeah. the way he, you're right, the way he reads those, like dramatic Elvish. He's just yeah, he's just very Elvish and kind of yeah. snooty, and I love that snooty. About. Yeah. Um, but I think he's pretty good. Like there are times when yeah. I'm like, when I I don't know, but I think overall I've kind of come up down on like he's good in this he is he's better in pirates well sure sure but, but he, he is but he is absolutely it. very good i think i when i think that i went through a phase where i was like ooh, orlando bloom's actually like annoying in lord of the rings but no i think he's fantastic i think he's great he actually really doesn't have to talk that much it's kind of funny nope. um he, he real like physical performance he's great who else yeah. did you want to shout out chip i have another one too uh elijah wood actually Oh, okay. Nice. I want to talk. I, can we talk about him in the return part? Yes. yes I want to talk about him and Sean Astin um, in the whole sequence, like the trudge through Mordor. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. yes. Who did you have, Evan? I was going to say Bernard Hill, Theoden. Yeah. I think he's phenomenal. Again, he, his best. His best stuff though is correct. Return. Return. Also, also actually, true. Maybe the greatest moment of the whole series. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I know. I know which moment you're talking about. Or maybe. Yeah, he's he's just great. I just love now at this point, early on when I watch uh, Two Towers, I'm like, let's get Bernard Hill crack in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need our guy back. Like, let's get in there you and free. Have him. me on all fours, crawling like a beast. Like <laughs> that's his introduction, dude. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Like we probably should talk about that. I I don't know enough about like these actors' lives. Like I have to believe. I well, he I know like Ian McKellen him. and stuff. Lots yeah. of theater performers. Like, they lots pulled, of stage performances in this cast. They Bernard straight off the stage. Like, he yeah. flew from doing, like, a year-long stage performance. Yeah, had to have. Uh, I think maybe the – actually, the most heartbreaking moment of the entire series is when he's crying after, like, over Theodred, his son's grave. Like, mm. I was in full tears this past time. And maybe it's just because I have children. And, and when, But when he goes, no parent should have to bury their child, I was – like not even like not even in like a you know like a tearing uh, teary eyed like <laughs> way like just fully like had to pause the movie and like recover it was oh like, yeah oh yeah um but he's amazing and I think all of like the cast around uh around Rohan is is really good uh, too mm-hmm. I gotta pull up who what's the the girl that plays uh, Eowyn because I think she's pretty good oh Miranda Otto yeah yeah she's great she's great. Oh she's my god. She's got a lot to do in yeah. in this. Um but I think she she kind of carries it well. And th- like her interactions with with Aragorn, it just gives a lot of uh of kind of room uh, to explore their characters individually. Yeah. It it's awesome to um to have somebody kind of get him to take his guard down. And and it's very believable. Like she is um yeah, she's got charisma with everyone. Yeah, big shout out to Carl Urban too. 
Yeah, Zeke, Carl. Of course. Of Legend. Course. Um, At home, too, right? Isn't Carl Urban a... Uh... Yeah, he's yeah, he's a Kiwi. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was an Aussie. How about that? Oh. No, he's a, he's a Kiwi. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. He's that's a, awesome. Yeah. He's um, we should probably mention that. because Doesn't even recognize his own kin. That's a character in and of itself, right? Is the, the country of New Zealand and, you know, yeah. they film everything there. And, and absolutely, I think, I think that's my favorite set that they build the entire time is, is, uh, um, Eteros up on that hill. They mm-hmm. built, they actually basically built that whole city. Mm, right. Right. Which is maybe a good point. Like good time to just say, if you can find them on YouTube, I don't know if they exist on YouTube. Like they're on the Blu-rays. It's the greatest behind the scenes ever. They did two years of pre-production. They filmed everything and they had the presence of mind during pre-production to be like, we should probably get cameras on everything that we're doing. Like those behind the scenes tell a story all their own, like seeing the costumes, the sword makers, um, like even getting like the fun little stories. Like when they did the whole sequence hiking up uh, in fellowship on uh, the the path of uh, Karadras, you know, mm. up in the snow, they all helicoptered up there, but Sean Bean was terrified of helicopters. So he would wake up every morning at 3 a.m. and hike up the mountain and meet wow. them there to film. Like just incredible little things like that, uh, that you, that you get. And it's really cool to see um, how they, how they brought these movies together. Uh, shout out to KJ, our favorite Kiwi. Yes. Yeah. Huge. The biggest. Uh, let's talk about fellowship. Or sorry, uh, Battle of Helm's Deep. Let's talk about Battle. Yeah. Uh, greatest battle sequence ever put to film? Probably. <laughs> is it? But the, the real question is: Is it even the greatest battle sequence in this film series? So no, but yes. There's there's a moment in the, a battle sequence in Return of the King that is better, but as an overall battle, you know, fr- uh, front to back, I'm putting the Battle of Helm's Deep above everything else. Yeah. Just what a great decision to just dump rain on them the entire time. Yeah. And also just to light them. The greatest quote, and we said this when we were talking about, you know, I I said this when we were talking about something else too, but somebody on the on the film crew asked Peter Jackson where all the lights were coming from because they had these huge lighting rigs making sure everything was well writ, and he goes the same place as the music. Like, it's a fucking yeah. movie. We're going to make sure people can see everything. That's an just, amazing quote. Yeah. Where is all the light coming from? Same place as the music. And just think that's incredible because it would have been so easy for them to make this dark and, and hard to see, but it's incredibly well lit, easy to follow. Um, yeah, in, amazing stuff. Um, what's your favorite moment of the battle? Is it is it the Legolas slide? The Legolas skateboard is like, it's kind of also one of like the first memes from movies, I feel like. I feel like I saw that on the internet at a very young age. And just like the idea of Legolas skateboard being a uh, a concept has stuck with me for a very long time. But um, yeah, I mean, just like also just watching Theoden like look up as the rain starts to fall, and he gives that you know great quote like "So it begins" or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then there there are some jokes with Gimli in the box, and then just hell breaks loose, dude. I mean, it is like 45 straight minutes almost. Um. With, like, some stops and starts along the way for Aragorn and Gimli to, like, sneak around, you know, to a certain place or for oh. them to, to, like, regroup a little bit and, like, re-strategize, right? But it's still just a, it, such a long battle. You'll have to toss me. I cannot talk to the resistance. You'll have to toss me. <laughs> the kill count, too, is great. Yeah. Um, yes. The, uh, 
I still think Aragorn just going ham, though, is is my favorite part of the entire battle. Like, when he kind of battles back, almost coming back inside, right, through, like, the, the grate, like, the storm grate type of thing that they have that, that ended mm-hmm. up getting breached and then ended up at the door. Like, because that's... I don't know. I get so fired up during that part because this is the the part of the series in which it's like there's been a lot of shots of both sides separately, right? Like just c- constantly going back and watching like um, orcs, you know, building armor and stuff like that just over and over and over. And finally now it's just like the two sides are just bashing each other up. Like it reminds me of like Always Sunny when they always talk about like we need to go give them a bashing. Like everyone's like at a certain point they just needed to like meet heads. And um, I don't know, Aragorn just hacking people at the – at the uh, gates is just awesome. Yeah, when, when he, when Haldir, the elf, which by the way, Evan, another thing that does not happen in the books. The elves do not come to the aid of Rohan. It's just, oh. it's just the men of Rohan. There's a lot of people that were upset about that personally as someone that saw the movies before I read the books in full. I think it's, it was a brilliant addition. Um, but Haldir, <laughs> basically the leader of the elves, when he dies in Aragorn, yeah. like are you talking about when Aragorn like basically punches, <laughs> punches the dude's helmet off? And then, you know, just goes ham, like, trying to get to Haldir. Yes. Realizes he's dead. Yeah, that that's about right. So good. Um, love the moment where where the whole, like, the kind of Gimli spy mission. And then the shot where Legolas is pulling them both up uh, by the rope onto the top of the wall is really cool, mm-hmm. too. And as you see, all the ladders continue. That's uh, a great shot of those ladders, like, one by one by one. Very much. It reminded me a lot of uh, Fury Road. Yeah, and then another... Another great exposition moment when they're in the throne room at Helm's Deep and he looks out the window as the sun's rising and you hear Gandalf's voiceover on the first light of the fifth day. Look for my coming. Like, <laughs> it, incredible. It's just mm-hmm. like, that's such a great way to be like, oh, the tide is about to turn. You mm-hmm. know, and, and a great way to remind you without it. Like, it's just so plain, right? Like, that's what I love about this battle. And I think what all the battle sequences is. They make them incredibly easy to follow. You never get lost in the chaos, right? You can fully stick with the plot of what's happening and the way the tide is turning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's amazing. And then, you know, of course, that incredible moment and one of the shots of the series, you know, Gandalf on Shadowfax jumping, uh, leading the Riders of Rohan and jumping into the line of, of Urkai to uh, yeah. to uh, win the day. That's yes. fucking sick. Um, we Real quick, the music just... A, a character in and of itself in these yeah. movies. Howard Shore, man. Shout out to Howard Shore. Fucking oh, yeah. good. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you guys have a favorite, like, piece of music for the movies? Like, yeah. is there a favorite, like, cue? Yeah, I, it's... I, I don't spoil it, I guess. I want to talk about this, because we were talking about maybe my favorite moment in the trilogy, which is the the uh, the ride of the Rohirrim at the Battle yeah. of Hell Fields. But so if you notice in Two Towers, if you go back and listen to music, Howard Shore does the theme of the Rohirrim all in minor, like in a minor key. It's all sad. It's dour. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's hopeless. And even in the bat at the end of the battle of Helm's deep, the, he doesn't revisit that theme. The next time that theme gets revisited, it is in full major at the ride of Rohirrim as they pan out after Theoden yells, a sword day, a red day. And when they play that as they are, the Rohirrim are, you know, yep. storming um, at that army of orcs. And as, like, the fear grows in the army of orcs, and there's that brief moment of, like, oh, my God, they're, the Rohirrim are going to save the day. Um, yeah. That is my favorite piece of music in the whole mm. yeah. It was the 
that was the first thing piece of music that ever like stuck with me where I, I recognized the theme. Like I remember being like 12 or 13 and rewatching it and being like, Oh my God, it's the same music, but it sounds like more happy. You know, it sounds more like triumphant. So it's, it's so, it's such a cool choice to make it in the major key to give it that happier vibe as Theoden is pledging them all to death. Yeah. Yelling death. It's you're hundred percent right though. That's, Easily probably my favorite moment of the trilogy. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. His sword clanging along the spears, you know, screaming for death ere the red sun rises. Like, it's just... You know what's a really amazing... So that's the most... Still to this day, it's the record for most live horses in a single shot. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, they they didn't use that much CG for some of those shots. Um, And they put a call out to... Again, another behind-the-scenes thing. You guys should really go watch this. Um, <laughs> they put a call out to basically anybody that owned a horse in New Zealand and was like, "We will, like, you want to come for a day? We'll pay you like minimum wage um, for this day, and you just need to ride your horse. We're going to put you in costume. Most of the riders of Rohan were women. Mm. Because like, there's like, apparently a huge population of women uh, like horse owners in that part of New Zealand that they were at. So they had thousands of women that they put fake beards and like armor on that were riding those horses, um, which I thought was really was really cool. Wow! And it's like funny. It's especially funny in the context of right, like one of the main characters we're following is Aowen, um, who's who's supposed mm-hmm. to, you know who's a woman in disguise as a man, and most of that that uh, extras cast was women uh, disguised wow. as men. So a cool a cool tidbit. But we'll we'll touch on that again really quick. In uh, but that's my favorite piece of music. Shit. Yeah. So. Uh, Evan, do you have a favorite piece of music? Oh my god, uh, definitely yes. Um, but I, I honestly, I can't even place it right now. I should have written it, it, it down. That is theme. Moment. Is it the Hobbit theme? I, dude, I was gonna say early on in Hobbit, like I love the Hobbit theme um, yeah. for sure. The 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 music in Fellowship for some reason like has that real like whimsical feel that that goes mm-hmm. away a bit more as it goes on. Um, and I do really like returning to that every, every time I start it over. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of the end of return is when they get back and the music, mm-hmm. the Hobbiton music kicks up and you're exactly. like, oh. like when, uh, you know, when Frodo shoves Sam to- or when Sam gets up towards Rosie and, you know, yeah. asks and asks her for a dance. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Um, all right. Anything else you guys want to talk about with, with two towers? I think there's two things that I want to mention quickly. Um, one was a Legolas quote from the, uh, from two towers and then one's a Gandalf quote. I think a quote that goes overlooked because obviously there's like a whole other side of the war that happens in like the north in like the area that we learn about the Hobbit with the dwarves and the men of Dale um, that like Sauron's also attacking them. And as they're leaving Rohan to go to Helm's Deep, Gimli says to Legolas, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could summon like an army of of dwarves, Um, you know, basically like, you know, Essentially being like, I, my kin are like the best fighters. And Legolas kind of offhand says to them, I fear war might already be on their doorstep. And I, I've always loved that like small little nod to that, you know, bit of the appendices that we get, um, which is in the books, which is really cool. And then I love the way our final shot of Gandalf um, in the end, when he when he you know, gets up, he's like, the battle The battle for Helm's Deep is over, but the battle for Middle-earth is about to begin mm-hmm. as they're looking off um, into Mordor. And then we cut back to Frodo and Sam, who, the end of that, right? Another one of my favorite quotes um, with Sam talking about the sun shining out ever the clearer in the stories. So 
I, there's a lot of really, really good stuff at the end of, of uh, Towers as well that leads us into um, uh, leads us into Return. But let's let's talk about Return because it's it's we've been going a long time, and, and I I tried so hard, guys. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I tried so hard, but I'm just I'm having too much fun right now. No, it's great. Um, return is so sick. <laughs> so 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 sick. What's your favorite part of Return? Chip. I mean, it's the ride of the Rohirrim. Um, there's just, I was thinking about it with Return. Return has the most like individual moments and quotes and shots that I am just like ecstatic to get back to. Like I think about like Gandalf riding on Shadowfax and shining the light at the Nazgul as they're chasing down, you know, Faramir, right? Like just there, there are moments like that. Even there, the moment there's the highest that. concentration of those moments in Return. Yeah, even the moment before that, right? Where, where Pippin's singing. And oh my God! Silent, the silent ride of of the the uh, Knights of Gondor. Mm-hmm. It, 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 oh God! Also, my favorite orc, the kind of pig face guy. The oh, age of the orc has come. That so that's awesome. That's Gothmog. Uh, Gothmog is named after. Yes, he is. Gothmog, the Lord of the Balrogs from the First Age, who was like oh. the chief, chieftain Balrog, but uh, he died. Um, he was he was slain by one of the Noldor elves. Uh, I had no. <laughs> I know too much about this world. Um, <laughs> so, oh, man, is it the greatest like ending to a trilogy? Hmm. In, Which one? In movie history? <laughs> Which ending? Just is a legendary the amount of endings. Is it in the greatest? This movie? Evan, another thing that happens in the books that they cut out to save another ending is when the hobbits get back to the Shire in the books, Saruman and Wormtongue basically have like summoned a legion of of army and have like all the hob they basically it's called the scouring of the shire they've basically like enslaved all the hobbits what like as yeah as payback and and uh the four hobbits basically have to like muster up an army of hobbits and like overthrow and overthrow saruman like, is when it they get, when they get back is it good yeah i mean it's cool it's really cool <laughs> but it's just another like but it, it makes more sense for like the longer context of the story, like larger context of the story of like, that's how they become heroes in Hobbiton. Like, yeah. after, you know, afterwards, like Sam is like mayor uh, of, of Hobbiton for like his whole life. And, you know, they're all like very well thought of because wow. of like the way they perform in uh, scouring the shower. But anyway, there are a lot of endings. Um, I, <laughs> I don't mean necessarily the ending ending. I mean, like is return the best third movie. Yeah. In the history of children. Just wrapping it up. I don't know. What do you think, Chip? Gosh, I think so. Uh, I'm I'm going off the top of my head right now, uh, and I can't think of another. So, I mean, I can't think of another where the third installment is also like maybe the best. I don't want to get too deep into my personal ranking, which changes every time I watch these movies. But yeah. I came away from this, and Return was uh, very, very, very strong in my mind. Um, they they backload a lot of. A lot of really important stuff like i think yeah. the decision to do to have elrond show up with um with elendil's sword you mm-hmm. know with the blade that was broken uh versus in the book he leaves rivendell with it they will uh, answer to the king of gondor just incredible stuff. i mean just getting just getting more hugo weaving uh in the in the story in general is is good but i think like they made a lot of decisions that make those story beats hit really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also maybe a good time to talk about 
what's your favorite group to hang out with, right? Because this is like obviously the fellowship gets split up. Um, we got Frodo and Sam, we got Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, uh, and then I think I even want to put Gandalf and Pippin up there, right? Because they kind of, in return, they become a little you know group of their own. What's what's your favorite crew to hang with? Uh, crew to hang with is probably Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, because I know I I, could, I can get like laughs, I can get violence, I can get heartache, all in one. That's all I need. What about you, Evan? Yeah, no, that that's that's definitely mine as well. That was mine. I think I'm leaning to Gandalf and Pippin though, because even like when you track mm-hmm. back to Fellowship, I love the like of all the inquisitive hobbits, Peregrine Took, you are the worst. Like yes. I just love I love all of that dynamic uh in the movies uh and i love their conversation um at the end of return as well like well they have a couple conversations that are really really important right when he's like you know standing on the standing on the edge of a battle that i can't escape is even worse Mm -hmm. um you know or death is not the end right death is the beginning like they have so many amazing moments together uh that i think they're my favorite to hang out with I just want to beat Pippin's ass so bad. Oh my god! <laughs> every, Leave Pippin alone. Dude. Every time I watch this movie, I'm just like, "You mother." Pippin's my guy. Pippin, Pippin, Pippin my guy. might be my favorite of the hobbits. Like I know that's like kind of sacrilege, but like, no, I, I don't, don't know. Think I, so. kind of, I kind of identify with him, right? There's a lot of Pippin heads out there. I don't oh, think yeah. that's that's that sacrilege. Um, god. All right. What any other moments? I want to talk about Ryder Rohirrim one more time uh, after this. But do we have any other moments that really stick out to us from Return, other than we'll oh do b- from before Ryder Rohirrim, and then we'll talk about the the ending. So we can save Sam and Frodo talk for the ending, probably. Yeah, because I think that needs some some conversation. Yeah. Um, I think Shelob is just really cool and really sick, like just putting an absolutely semi trucks size spider in your movie is always a good choice love it yeah that's that's a great call right there for sure i mean there's 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 just so much like witch king oh the witch king of Mm. angmar yeah yeah i am no man like no man like again you read that in a script and i roll my eyes i see that in the movie i'm like oh yeah this is the coolest thing ever filmed another great behind the scenes thing is that the morning star, you know, the thing that he's like swinging around, mm-hmm. it was originally like much smaller and much more like light, like regular sized. And Peter Jackson was like, no, no, we need to get that thing like comically large. And if you go back and look, there's like videos of Peter Jackson swinging the prop around being like, yeah, OK, that's large enough. They made like four versions <laughs> before he was finally like, yeah, this is big enough for me. <laughs> it was so it's like so comically big. It's like the size of a human torso, um, which is just cracks me up uh but that that's an aside uh yeah fuck all right right over here one more time one more time more time how do you i mean how do you not get chills right (laughs) (laughs) he's just faden is just so cool dude yeah so t- can you guys just give the audience for anyone out there who might not be an expert, we're, we're just kind of like naming things that happened, but like, yeah, that's fair. T- talk us through the, the context, like so in 45 right seconds. The, right of the Rohirrim is when the army of Rohan pulls up 
to the Battle of Pelennor Fields at Minas Tirith, right? So Minas Tirith getting sacked. It is like the battle is at a loss. Rohirrim pulls up. You know, we get the horn blow. And then it starts with Theoden kind of riding along the lines to his, his basically his generals. And like he's like, all right, you take your company left, you know, down the flank, take your company to the river, basically planning, right? He's like, I've seen where how these people are positioned. We're like talking war tactics now. And then he just gives, you know, a, one of the greatest speeches in movie history, in my opinion. It's up there with the miracle with the miracle speech, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't read this one in full though, because it, I don't think I can do it justice. Um, but yeah, Rider, Riders of Rohan. I like Shield. that Theoden is pretty big on like embracing death. Like that's a big theme of this movie in general, yeah. but like when they're in like camp beforehand, he's like, uh, one of his generals is like, we will not survive this. And he's like, yeah, we won't, but we will ride into battle nonetheless. But he, he <laughs> says it in a much cooler way. But and you combine also, that with some of the Gandalf speeches, and it's like death is a part of life in these movies. Death is a natural thing, and there's no need to fear it. In fact, we can run towards it if the situation calls for it. But I also just love how it like kind of harkens back to the very like Viking nature of mm-hmm. the of the Rohirrim, right? And like all these men are chanting death, death, mm-hmm. and like that's what strikes fear in the hearts of the orcs. Right. Like you see the orcs, they cut back and forth really well into in like these orcs faces being like, oh, shit. Like these are men that have basically unshackled themselves from the burden of death, Mm -hmm. you know, and as they're as they're loosing volleys of arrows on them and and horses are are following and men are are being, you know, being murdered. They're only riding harder. They're only riding Mm -hmm. back into the battle. Um Amazing, and then that response, basically from the other side, is is the Haradrim, and the 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 war elephants, the giant war elephants, and like that mm-hmm. is so <laughs> sick. It like hurts me how sick it is. Like that that shot where we get that elephant swinging its tusks from right to left, from right to left, and then it finally culminates with the boom. And uh, him taking out a, uh, a bunch of riders, and then you know we're kind of back in the battle in earnest. I think yeah. it's just such a really wonderful. Is that ten minutes, fifteen minutes? I don't, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I just, you just get wrapped up in it. Yeah. Um, the the other thing too is this doesn't happen without the beacons being lit, oh. which is <laughs> so fucking cool. Again, great, great Pippin moment, Evan. Mm-hmm. climbing up there he, he stumbles a little bit he's he's a little shaky but uh just watching all like like you can see time passing as these yeah. beacons are being lit and all all, all the way great calls for aid yes dude and then that and then like the the breathless run up the stairs mm-hmm. of Edoras, and we kind of get the call back to be like you know their conversation in two towers where he's like you know call gondor mm-hmm. and he's like Gondor didn't help us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? Uh, but I just love that moment. Gondor calls for aid, and it's so breathless. And there's that brief pause, and he goes, "And Rohan will answer." And then right. you just get, then you get the the Rohirrim music. It's oh, yeah, I, it's so good. Uh, it's so good. All right, are we ready to talk about Frodo and Sam? We've kind of put them off, right? And they're, I guess, the key part of. It feels like it feels like they're 
it deserves like the ending, right? Like they yeah. deserve to kind of be the finale. Yeah. Um, if you stuck around this long, this will be the last we do of the breakdown of the movies. Thank you so much for listening this long. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into a couple, one maybe final thing before we, uh, before we leave. Uh, does this, there was a time where I kind of was fine being away from Frodo and Sam for like longer stretches. Cause return is, is kind of, we get the long stretch, right. Where we don't see them for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten over that. I've kind of started to go the opposite way. I've become a little bit frustrated, um, with that decision. Do you guys like spending time with Frodo and Sam? Does the absence make the heart grow fonder? Where are you at with, with how long we kind of spend away from them post uh, Shelob. Um, I am still at the point where I, I feel like it's the right amount, in my opinion. I feel like it's the right amount of Sam and Frodo. Um, and part of that is because it is dark and dense every time we are with them. Like it, I, we've 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 talked about it a bit, and you've talked about it really eloquently, like how how funny the these movies are, and how much they fit in the, those moments of levity. And there are just none of those when you go to Frodo and Sam. Um, so it makes for great drama, but um, I mean, I I I feel like I I could be overwhelmed by it a little bit um, if it was more than what we got, especially with how intense their ending really is. I mean, that final 10 minutes of them is like insane heart racing stuff. Chip, are you a Sean Astin guy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think he's dope. I've heard there's, I think he's the strongest out of the two. Yeah. I agree. In my opinion. There are people that out there, (laughs) Caden, um, that dislike Sean Astin. Right. And, and so they struggle with this, but, the, I think Return is Sean's movie. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, when they're in Mordor, that man gets to cook. Like, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Like, yeah. The, the you remember the taste of strawberries, Mr. Frodo? Like, he is he is really, really good. Yes. Um, By the way, every, again, time I, every time I make pancakes, I have whipped cream and fresh strawberries on them. I literally plop the whipped cream on the top of the pancakes and look at Rachel and go, do you remember the taste of strawberries and cream? Like... <laughs> That's how many times I've seen these movies. Uh, I very often do not think about the combo of strawberries and cream, but when he says strawberries and cream, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, that's the most delicious, you know, flavor combination I could ever dream of. And then yep. I never think about it in my real life. Yeah, it's really good. Um, what's your favorite Frodo and Sam moment? We're not just in return now. We can be in the whole thing. The whole- um, I think maybe the end of Two Towers, actually. Mm. Sam's got a Sam's got a really good speech about like the stories and the songs and everything. And again, it's 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 well written and it's well delivered, right? And yeah, that and then it leads into like the very very end, which is Frodo. You know when they're kind of talking about the stories more lightly, and Frodo's like, "I want to hear more about Sam." You know, Samwise the Brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. my favorite character. Like, it's just such a sweet moment before. Yeah. Golf ruins it's that's like the awesome. last sweet moment they have before throwing the ring into the fire yeah 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 i i mean i think that those final sequences with with them um are, are great getting to mount doom i also love in in two towers when they first find or, or they first kind of capture Gollum. um 
those scenes are like kind of harrowing them going back and forth basically about whether they can commit war crimes or not on Gollum and like um like I I don't know those scenes are really good and and it's kind of the most at odds they are without being fully manipulated because it's basically at that point from then on that um Frodo is like is like in pain because of the ring right like he's like really really feeling the burden um before that he's still kind of making decisions in like his his right mind i guess you could say um and i don't know them going back and forth about what to do especially because of that conversation frodo had had with gandalf earlier about you know bilbo and um Gollum and and you know his restraint there i don't know those scenes are good and it's great sean astin he's awesome yeah i think my two favorite are end of fellowship and they're, they kind of – these two kind of mirror each other. End of Fellowship where mm. he goes to the boat where he's young. Yeah. Like, Frodo! Frodo! Mm-hmm. And, and, you can't swim. <laughs> yeah, you can't swim. And then he like pulls him in and he goes, don't you leave him, Senwise Genji. But what I love is then at the end of Return, right, when he when Frodo has escaped into Mount Doom and he's standing on the edge of, of that like platform and Sam's yelling, Frodo! And he turns around and he goes – I'm here, Sam, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it's that kind of same thing of like together, but apart, right. Something separating them. Um, and I love that. I love that kind of mirroring, uh, that they do in the, in the filmmaking, but I really love, you know, and every time, every time Sam, you know, references, don't you leave him Sam wise Gamgee. Um, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, mm-hmm. I just, it's I heartbreaking. Just, and like the, the goodbye on the dock when Frodo has to get on the ship, oh. and he, like, don't just a very it. apparently oh, that's dude. the very first stuff they shot and could have fooled on, me because that it's the that very kiss first on the thing, forehead is like yeah, years and years very so. first thing they shot and what? they had to they had to reshoot it the next day because sean astin forgot to wear his vest on the first day like all the hobbits are wearing <laughs> you know like their little vests yeah and if and sean astin's not wearing his vest and they kept one shot in the movie actually if you go back and look where he's wearing his vest in the whole scene, like the whole scene. And then like they do, they do one quick shot to Mary Pippin and Sam and he's not wearing his vest. And so that's why they had to like reshoot the whole thing, but they still kept one in. It was the best, which is like, that's imagine how like they said it was the most emotional day ever. And they were all so happy to be done with it. Imagine the pressure to like finish, to start with that. And then just be like, everything that we do has to justify having like, one of the sappiest endings of all time. And that's what that's apparently what Peter Jackson said. He basically was like, here, welcome to your first day of shooting. This wow. is the culmination of the entirety of this series. Like wow. what you do today is going to inform your entire like the entire performance mo- moving forward, which wow. I, in, in a weird way, I think is really brilliant. Yeah. And we probably haven't maybe, talked. That may have helped. We haven't talked enough about Peter Jackson. Um, and I don't know even if I want to like I think these movies stand alone in his filmography these movies for me make him one of my favorite directors of all time even though you know his other filmography is isn't up there for me but i think last thing on on frodo and sam is i just love the way their relationship evolves but still like the core tenets of it stay the same um and one of another one of my favorite moments is so small is when they when faramir captures them and they're in the cave and he asks Sam, who are you as bodyguard? And he just responds, I'm his gardener. You know, it's just, yeah. it's so it's so good. You know, it's like kind of puts into perspective, um, you know, how these people got thrust into this this universe. Uh, 
Aragorn becomes king. That's awesome. It's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, I think the choice that they made changing him from in the books, like basically when he leaves Rivendell in the books, you know, he is kind of like telling everybody, I'm the, I am the king, like I am this person, um, to being more of a reluctant leader a lot more throughout, I think was really great, especially for movies. Um, mm-hmm. it, anything else you guys want to talk about for return um, before we get to kind of the wrap up section? Mm. You know, there's there's so much that I could probably. I mean, the when Aragorn calls upon the dead in the mountain, what say pulls you? out the sword. What say you? Freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's just the, uh, awesome. I just I just keep going back to how cool Return of the King is and how just uh, jaw dropping I feel watching it. Yes. Yeah. Good call. All right. Well, if you stuck around this long, and I appreciate you have, this is very self-indulgent podcast, it feels like. Thank you guys for allowing me to do this. Um, Let's talk about a ranking of these three. Mm. I want to go through and each give me your personal ranking at the moment, because as you kind of alluded to, Chip, it changes all the time for me personally. Uh, And then I kind of want us to come to somewhat of a collective ranking in as quickly of a manner as we can. So, Evan, what what's your current ranking? One, two, three, or three, two, one. Oh man. Um. So my current ranking is Return, Fellowship, and Two Towers. I believe. Okay, Chip. What about you? Evan, that's a very fascinating ranking because it's also my ranking. Ooh. So my ranking is Fellowship, Return, Two Towers. Okay. And if you would have asked me my ranking two years ago when we first started this podcast, I would have had two towers return and then fellowship. A little fellowship funny. has grown so much in my estimation. Like me too. I just appreciate those little moments that we get before the journey so much more. I appreciate the moments that we get with the fellowship together, right? Because yeah. it makes the rest of the mo- like the rest of the series hit so much harder. And I, I recently Googled this question because I, I really want to go down a Reddit rabbit hole um, of like what would have happened if the Fellowship stayed together, right? And you realize that there really wasn't any plan for success if the Fellowship did stay together. Like they, in order to succeed, they had to break, right? Aragorn understood that. Frodo understood that. That's why Aragorn let Frodo go. Um, but it's just like, I, I it's hard for me to be like Fellowship's underrated, but I feel like it is. Because it is. Two Towers has Helm's Deep, right? Which is like one of the greatest battle sequences ever put to film. Return is arguably the greatest third, you know, ending ending movie to a trilogy of all time. But Fellowship gives you the the sweet moments. It gives you the soft moments. But it also gives you the action. Like you said, Evan, that that chase through Morio is exhilarating. Yeah. You know, and, and the emotion that you feel when they're sitting out on those snow, those, you know, snow capped rocks, um, you know, when Aragorn's like, get them up and Boromir, give them a moment for pity's sake. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even the chase out of the Shire is yeah, like, it's thrilling, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, we so barely I talked know. about the Nazgul, dude. No, we haven't yeah. even talked about the Nazgul. I'm like, God, we don't even have time. We'll do a Nazgul podcast. Separate Nazgul podcast. The Nazgul pod. <laughs> also, Fellowship has the most Kate Blanchett. Which, again, if you're going to have, you know, an an elf queen, essentially, if you're going to have someone who is is majesty, you have to have the actor to back it up. And Kate Blanchett is that person. 
lit like a goddess too it's yeah, so moment, cool how they just spotlight her the entire time she's, oh, she's in that so moment good. when she goes photo negative you know when frodo offers her the ring yeah instead of a dog yeah. you would have a queen <laughs> beautiful and terrible as the dawn it, i think if I really yeah. put myself to it i could probably do most of these movies like back-to-back line readings like if you put me in the scenario and it was like all right we go this is the scene we're in right now i could probably do the entirety of the series that's I for love, our Patreon. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> behind the paywall for sure. But speaking of of having a horror background, that scene and then the scene where Bilbo kind of like goes a little bit demon mode. Yeah, coming after the ring uh, yeah. one last time in Rivendell are, are like very much like but, and, 80s horror. No, and, and every time that we get the the dark tower with, with Sa- the eye of Sauron, mm, like that, yeah. dude, like it, in a way, I, I think about that so much now is like the his horror background shout out to horror heads you know i'm a huge huge horror guy um <laughs> might have actually helped telling this story you know in in uh film i think yeah like getting oh, those for sure getting for those sure. those moments to hit hard yeah and like to make those orcs be as kind of goofy as they are, but still ultimately Scary. menacing in those mm-hmm. key scenes that we're talking about, takes somebody who who understands like very much like an unsettling feeling, right? Like all those times that the camera's flying into the mines, you're just like, mm-hmm. God yeah, damn, this place is nasty. And the orcs that we spend the most time with, especially in Return, are so terrifying. Like Gothmog is brutal, you know, with his one eye and his like gimpy arm. And then his like... <laughs> chief tenant with the helmet that has the human skull on the top of it mm-hmm. catapults you know like that guy yeah and the huge scar across the face just amazing stuff um heaven did you think about Raimi at all um oh absolutely i was i was definitely thinking about Raimi, especially like with all the practical stuff mm-hmm. um and, and like like using the best practical um uh, makeup and costumes and everything but making it real enough that it that the seams show in a way almost that just makes it feel like it's like actually taking place in a physical world. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but just like yeah. feels like you could touch everything in these movies. Yeah, and I think that's a good great point. Like for Very me, like, there, like there's a lot of like cool CGI in this, but they use so much practical effects, right? Like in that battle of Pelin, uh, you know, Pelinor Fields, they use thousands of real people riding horses, right? Like the orcs are all practical uh, makeup mm-hmm. and like that extra mile. It's almost like the fact that, that CGI wasn't good enough for them to to have it any other way. Yeah. I think lends so well. I mean, you look at the hobbits that come after it, right? And they CGI all the orcs and it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Sure. Um, man. All right. So we need a final ranking. We kind of said our, our initial ones. You guys are leaning return fellowship. Two Towers. I think firmly Two Towers is third, right? Because which is crazy to say, because I love that movie so much. I uh, know it is uh, crazy. I mean, that's the one we did first for the verses, right? Because we can love it so I, much. Can I get you to put Fellowship? Have I have I made enough of an argument to get you guys to one of you to sway my direction, or are we going to put Return first? You know, before I rewatched the movies this past week, I had Fellowship one. And I, I love it so dearly. It's so sweet. It's so, it's just, it's just pure pleasure. Oh, fuck. 
Yeah, I'll put it one. I'll put it one. I'll do it. I'll put Let's Fellowship go, one. I'll put Return two. <laughs> I think really the like for the purposes of this podcast and for social media graphics, right? It'll be Fellowship one, Return two, and Two Towers three. But in our hearts, I think it would be safer to say tied at one, it's Fellowship and Return, and then yeah. at one A, it's Two Towers. Yeah, yeah. I Just, definitely feel a tied at one situation almost. They're but they're in. I mean, all of the three of these films are indistinguishable, you know mm-hmm. from. You know, and and like you mentioned, right? Every time I watch them, which is arguably too many times a year, I walk away with a different one standing tallest in my mind. Yeah. Um. Well, that was Lord of the Rings. I was going to talk about future Lord of the Rings, you know, Middle Earth content. Um, but I don't want to even like disparage the memory of of these these three perfect films in my mind um for that all i would say is if you've watched these movies uh, a couple times and you haven't watched the extendeds watch the extendeds it'll give you a lot of added context they're really fun um, i'm gonna get mar- to it i'm gonna get they're, to it for sure they're a marathon i wouldn't recommend doing them back to back to back like you can do like that little bit of extra added runtime is just not feasible like i would do it if you're like all right i'm gonna watch watch fellowship one week i'm gonna watch two towers one week i'm gonna watch return the next week right do it over like a couple weeks span yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i would recommend um first and foremost i want to say thank you to my co-hosts for letting me talk about movies if it hasn't come across already i love these movies like dearly dearly they're a deep part of my heart uh, and my soul um and it's just been awesome to get to talk about them. I, I was I was texting earlier. I was like, I'm gonna try my best to keep it under an hour. We went, <laughs> we did, we went so so much further than that, um, which is ridiculous. I believe you said under two hours. Under two hours, but which we, we have <laughs> kept it under two. So yeah, we did keep it under two barely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I had a lot of fun. Um, next week, uh, we're gonna do an interesting podcast. We're gonna talk about Harry Styles. Um. You know, through the lens of his recent release, My Policeman, uh, we're going to retouch on Don't Worry, Darling with some of my thoughts after getting a chance to see it. Um, we might even throw a little Dunkirk in there. We should probably just do like 10 minutes on Dunkirk because. Oh, dude. Awesome. We're absolutely doing 10 minutes uh, on Dunkirk. And just kind of talk about him and. Is he going to be a movie star, right? Or is he just a pop star that did a couple movies? That's, um, that's I think, the question mark. Right I think there. I think this is a fascinating uh, discussion. It may not be our most flattering or most you know complimentary conversation, uh, but I think it'll it'll bring a lot of interesting insights. So I'm excited. Uh, Are we gonna get five minutes on his discography? Uh, on Harry Styles? Yeah. Are we gonna Are we gonna throw in five minutes of music talk in there? Oh, of course. I mean, I think it's I think it's central to the conversation. Okay, Um, I see what you're saying. I'm saying like five minutes of like his actual discography. Oh yeah, happy to. to happy to chat about it. Uh, I saw him live in Paris this yeah, summer, and it was an incredible experience. He's an, an amazing performer, um, so I, I think it'll be really cool to talk a little bit about the musical side of him uh, and yes. the acting side of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, any parting thoughts from Middle Earth, my friends? Red dawn rises, blood has been spilled. This podcast. Evan, it was great. <laughs> Happy to talk about it. I, I I love these movies. I love all these people. I'm I was really happy to hear you guys talk about them.
well, I'll leave contrast you, between our parting thoughts. I'll leave you. I'll leave you with this. This podcast is not the end. This podcast is only the beginning. When it's over, you see it. White shores in a wide green country. Have a good one. Flicking, screaming, jet spray, Evan Fagundis, JT Chipman. Bye. See ya. And now the starting lineup for your Jasters. What's up, guys? I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet.